service to the holy name is loudly chanting for the benefit of others. In this episode of the 24-hour Kirtan podcast, Akinchan Krishna Prabhu will be sharing instructions he heard directly from Mahindra Prabhu, especially with regard to Kirtan. He will focus on some of the more practical aspects of Kirtan so that we get a sense of Mahindra Prabhu's mood. We're also going to be hearing again from Mahindra himself about various practical and philosophical aspects of Kirtan, which he shared in his room at Krishna Balaram Mandir in Vrindavan, India, back in 2010. Mahindra was a disciple of Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who began leading Kirtans in the Washington, D.C. temple, but after moving to New York City in 1981, he took the Kirtan into the street. After relocating to India, he re-inaugurated Prabhupada's 24-hour Kirtan at Krishna Balaram Mandir in 1986 and performed Kirtan Yagya for over 20 years. You can learn more about Aindra and download his Kirtan albums and live recordings on 24hourkirtan.com. Or if you're not the downloading type, just tune in to 24hourkirtan.fm. This is episode number three of the second season of the 24-hour Kirtan podcast about Kirtan standards. And I'm your host, Nandikishore Das, begging you to stay tuned. artificial imposition on the mind. This consciousness is the original energy of living entity. When we hear the transcendental vibration, this consciousness is revived. Rama, Rama, 
only the pure name can inculcate bhakti shakti into the heart. But you're performing Sankirtan, Jagyai Sankirtana Prayarya Janti Hisumeda Saha. You're performing Sankirtan simply for the purpose of satisfying the Jagya Purush, Sri <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in Kali Yuga. There's no question of thinking in terms of that I have to perform this Jagya and therefore, you know, I, you know, if I'm going to perform this Jagya, I must demand a certain, you know, amount for my performance of Jagya. This chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, is directly enacted from the spiritual platform surpassing all lower status of consciousness, namely sensual, mental and intellectual. Particularly in this age of Kali Yuga, this Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, it has the power not only as Tadak Brahma Kirtan Mantra, but also as Padak Brahma Kirtan Mantra. It has the power to deliver you from this material world, beginning with Chaito Darpanam Arjanam, Baba Mahadavagni Nirvapanam. It destroys your material existence, destroys the Anartas and all such things which are impediments to your progress, and furthermore, it establishes you in your eternal constitutional relationship with Krishna and elevates you to the highest platform of Prema, namely Mahabha. It's important. It's important to to um, to acknowledge the need for there to be genuine, pure devotional substance in the kirtan in order for the kirtan to actually be successful. If the kirtan is lacking genuine, pure devotional substance, that means that the kirtan should be dominated by pure devotees. And pure devotees means who chants Shudanam. Those who are chanting Namabhas are not pure devotees yet, even though they may be on the threshold of pure devotion as neophyte devotees in our movement, the clearing stage or whatever. And that's, that's also good in, on one level, but it's not, it's not going to do what uh, the Sankirtan performances are actually intended to do. You know, it's one thing, Chaito Darpan Marjanam. It's one thing, Chaito Darpan Marjanam, to a certain extent. You know, but it's another thing, 
to to actually inculcate bhakti shakti or or plant the seed of prema into the heart of you know another living being. Krishna devotees all over the world just celebrated the appearance of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Those who witnessed Mahaprabhu's pastimes more than 500 years ago saw him dance and chant with ecstatic love for God, the likes of which had never been seen before. He encouraged everyone to follow this same process. He taught that anyone, regardless of background or spiritual qualification, could develop their innate love for God and experience great spiritual pleasure by chanting the names of God. Two and a half weeks prior to the Golpunim festival in Sridhar Mayapur, a five-day kirtan festival took place. The festival's kirtan recordings will be playing on 24-hour kirtan radio after they went through audio pre-production. If you have experience in editing audio recordings or want to learn how to do that, please get in touch. We're constantly trying to add as many new live kirtan recordings as possible from various kirtan events around the world to our media archive which is playing on 24hourkirtan.fm your address for the best Gaudiya style kirtan on the interwebs. You can listen to 24hourkirtan.fm on our website, on the TuneIn mobile app, and our own mobile app, which is still in development and currently undergoing a little facelift. To learn more about the app, please go to 24hourkirtan.fm slash app. You're listening to the 24-Hour Kirtan Podcast. Stay tuned. There seem to be no bigger Kirtan festivals in March but Kirtan London just published their March newsletter announcing various smaller Kirtan events. Yesterday, on March 3rd, Janavi led Kirtan at the Tri Yoga Lounge. On Friday the 9th, another Mantra Lounge with Ananda will take place at Neil's Yard in Covent Garden, followed by various other Kirtan events with Radhika Ranjan, Krishna Leela and Jagat Pita. On the 24th of March, there will be 
a spring clean six hour kirtan at Swiss Church, also in Covent Garden. The power of sound vibrated from the soul is the slogan of the first Kirtan Mantra Fest on the Canary Island of Lanzarote, a four hour flight from Zurich or two and a half hour flight from Spain's capital Madrid. It will take place from April the 20th through the 22nd. Shamananda from Vrindavan, Ujashri, and Tarna Chaitanya have already been announced as Kirtaniyas. To learn more about the festival, please visit their Facebook page, Despierta, which is also linked in the show notes. If you want to learn about other Kirtan events, please go to 24hourkirtan.fm slash events and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get notified about all things Kirtan. You're listening to the 24-Hour Kirtan Podcast. My relationship with, you know, Indra was, um, he's the most amazing person I've met in my life. Um, I think I can say, I think I can say that. Definitely, you know, one of the most amazing people um, and the most impressive person I've connected with in my time with the Hare Krishna movement. And, um, you know, I love Indra very, very much. I miss him very much when he left. It's just, you know, it's a huge devastation. Um, I still think about him often. Um, the things that he uh, kind of gave me and, you know, the way he spoke and the, the things that I learned from him, um, I kind of, they left a very strong impression uh, on me and I think about him all the time. This was the voice of Akinchan Krishna Prabhu. He was born and raised in New York. His mother is from the city of Basel in Switzerland. His father was a Hungarian opera singer. He got into the New York hardcore music scene in the early 90s and played bass guitar in a hardcore band. As a 17-year-old straight-edge vegan, he got connected to Srila Prabhupada's books by a friend and was immediately attracted because the lifestyle he already led was very similar to the one explained in the books. In 1996, he started attending devotional programs at Radha Govinda Mandir in Brooklyn and at 26 Second Avenue, the place where Srila Prabhupada established the first Hare Krishna temple in the summer of 1966. At the beginning of the month of Kartik in 1998, he went to India for the first time and heard Ainur Prabhu lead the mid-morning kirtan at Krishna Balaram Mandir, which left a very strong impression on him. A couple of days later, on Bahulasami, after taking a midnight bath in Radhakund, he attended another one of Indra's kirtans with Madhava playing the Murdanga and a group of 20 or 30 devotees at the Gopalji temple at Radhakund, which was exceptionally ecstatic and left a very powerful impression on him, making him feel like he really wanted to commit himself to doing a lot of kirtan. 
Later on, he managed to live for some time in the 24-hour Kirtan Ashram in Vrindavan, where he had a lot of association with Ayindra Prabhu. In this episode, he will be sharing instructions he heard directly from Ayindra Prabhu, especially with regard to Kirtan. We will focus on some of the more practical aspects of Kirtan so that we get a sense of Ayindra Prabhu's mood. As already mentioned, the recording was produced by Ramachandra Prabhu for new members of the 24-hour Kirtan party and for anyone interested in how Indra thought about the art of doing Kirtan. I also wanted to quickly mention that I met Akinchan Krishna Prabhu last year in April at the Zurich Temple where he joined our monthly 8-hour Kirtan festival together with Yogindra and Anandamurti. The recordings of these Kirtans are playing on 24-hour Kirtan radio and can also be downloaded from our Kirtan store at 24hourkirtan.fm slash store. But now, without further ado, here's a Kinshan Krishna Prabhu. So, I'll try to say a few things about um, instructions that I heard from Mahindra Prabhu, especially with regard to Kirtan. Um, a lot of these things, you know, Mahindra said so many things about uh, philosophy and so many topics, and there's many things that we learned from him, but I'll just try to focus on maybe some of the more practical aspects of kirtan um, <clears throat> just to try to get a sense of Ayanda Prabhu's mood uh, so the, the first time that I really, the first time I joined the kirtan party I remember one conversation where I was in his room he was preaching to me kind of when I first arrived and then he said a lot of great things um, he told me, good singing is all in the subtlety. He said, two different men can sing the exact same tune. And when one man sings it, it just sounds ordinary. And when another man sings it, it's beautiful. So the idea is, like, if you listen to Andrew Prabhu's singing, it's full of all kinds of nuance and subtlety and like he'll ornament certain notes or kind of bend between notes um, you know he'll sing the same tune with different variations at different times so Andrew had that kind of careful subtle sense about things um, you know, a little bit we heard him kind of express people try to sing my tunes, but I sing them so badly. <laughs> One thing is, Andrew was, um, Andrew was not easy to impress. He had a very high standard, 
he could be kind of he could be very very critical like he definitely wasn't easily impressed with a singer or a kirtan leader and mostly I feel no one can be proud next to Ayindra because Ayindra has like he had accomplished so much as a kirtan leader and next to him who's accomplished anything like that and uh, you know you can't you just can't be proud next to Ayindra Prabhu he was he was like just such a perfectionist about how he did everything and the level that he took his kirtan to is very very high and very unique and um, he just yeah even I heard him I won't say any names but you know even very senior devotees very senior devotees he could say like I never liked his singing it just sounds so weird to me <laughs> or uh, you know in general he could he could be like not so easily even some of the, you know the kirtan department men sometimes he could really be like you know this one is not a good singer this one is not a good singer um, like that he, oh so he told me um, he told me when people come into the Krishna Balaram temple all the pilgrims they taking darshan of the deities they're hearing the kirtan and then when they turn around, they're very surprised that it's a white man singing. He said, because I've, I've, I've tried to pick up some of the Indian style in my singing, and, and, uh, and people appreciate that. And he saw that as like part of his preaching. Um, and in general, Andrew Prabhu was, uh, was appreciating old Indian culture and Vedic culture and you know he told me he said those people are really cultured the old old Indian culture we should look to that culture those people are really cultured and the Vedic culture is Krishna's culture that's the culture that Krishna really likes so um, so just like we serve Krishna a certain type of food and the, we dress the deity in a certain way and um, you know, we offer certain things to Krishna. So, also in terms of music, we should look to the Vedic culture, to the old Indian culture, and use those musical expressions. Um, so, also we should we should do music that's like um, according to the raga system. That's what Krishna likes. He likes the raga system. Even he was citing in in the um, in some of like the the Goswami Shastras, which he was very fond of reading. Sometimes it'll mention how the gopis were singing in certain ragas and things like that. So to use the raga system, he was really appreciating that. He said, uh, he, he told me, he said, let the Prabhus that want to do their rock and roll for Krishna, let them do their thing. But we're doing something else. Like in other words, he wanted to do um, like traditional kind of kirtan style and try to take that to a high level that was his kind of mode of preaching he said oh he said uh <clears throat> he said we're not trying to sound like michael jackson or whoever it is that might be popular we're not trying to sing like michael jackson um he told me he said my style of kirtan is a blend of bengali kirtan and 
down home stomping Brajbasi Kirtan. He said, which is inimitable. And I said, what does that mean? He said, it means you can't imitate it. <laughs> so I guess that's like, you know, when it gets really fired up and jacked up, that's like the, the down home stomping Brajbasi style. <laughs> um, I asked him one time, do you always consider the time of the raga that you're singing? And his answer was, sometimes. Um, so sometimes that was important, sometimes it wasn't important. Uh, you know, he, he was usually singing before Gorartik, so, you know, but he didn't feel like he wanted to be restricted to only singing, you know, melodies and ragas for that time of the day. So you can hear on the recordings how he's singing different melodies for different times also at that time of the day. And his reference was, he said in Govindali Lamrita, it says that the gopis, you know, in the course of the Ras Lila dance, which, you know, they expanded so that it was like, the, the one night of the Ras Lila was like the night of Brahma, or the day of Brahma, it was, you know, billions of years. So, um, it's the gopis were singing all kinds of ragas without any regard for time, or season. So, um, so when we discussed this with Ayanda Prabhu too, the conclusion was that um, sometimes it's nice to consider, you know, the time of the rag and how that fits, but it's not like an absolute rule. Um, like, and the 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 analogy was. You know, in Vaidhi Bhakti, um, you know, the rules are very important. In Raganuga Bhakti, the pleasure of Krishna is very important. And if it's for the sake of pleasing Krishna, we can break, you know, we can break some of the rules if necessary. Uh, and so, in the same way, you know, if there's, for the pleasure of Krishna, we can disregard some of those strict rules about how to do different ragas. He was telling me, um, he was telling me, you know, he was actually very humble. I remember several times he would say about himself as a musician, he would say, you know, I'm not so expert. And he said, if some like Sangeet Shastra, you know, pundit were to come and hear my kirtan, they may have some criticism of, you know, things that I'm doing. But, you know, anyway, I'm just going a little bit by my feeling, you know, I think it sounds nice, you know, I don't think it's so wrong how I'm presenting things. Um, uh, oh, one time I asked, this is just one more story, one time I asked Ayinder Prabhu, I said, um, Prabhu, sometimes when I'm leading kirtan, you know, I've sung a tune for a while, and I just don't know where to go with it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you, you kind of, you do different beats, and you fire it up, and then, you know, where does it go from here? And I understood, he's like, yeah, I have that problem too. <laughs> and then he said, that's why, um, that's why you need the top off. Top off? the top off. He called it the top off. And he gave the example, like the tune, like, 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. So that's like the tune, and then the top off is like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. So like, you know, you need some simple, high, fired up kind of, you know, tune or part that kind of like makes a conclusion to the melody. Uh, that's what I understood he means by a top off. And he also told me, really interesting comment, you can meditate on this. He said, I've noticed that if you're singing a raga, if the vadi swar or the samvadi swar is not either sa or pa, that that tune, they don't go anywhere. Um, I told him, uh, I said that I wanted to study the Murdanga, learn Murdanga. He said, yes, that's okay. Um, but if you want to study Murdanga, then you have to join the 24-hour kirtan. Otherwise, it's like um, memorizing Bhagavad Gita shlokas, but not preaching. And there was one particular Murdanga teacher that I was thinking, you know, I'll study from him. And he was kind of like, yeah, you can, you can learn from him, you know, he can tell you many things, but you'll have to learn the spirit of Sankirtan somewhere else. Like, there's a spirit to Sankirtan. When he first came to Vrindavan, I've heard that he was actively going to many places, making recordings. Um, even one time we were with we were with Kokan Baba at a program, and Kokan Baba he just smiled and he and he looked at Ayinder and he said he used to come to all my kirtans and make so many cassette recordings, <laughs> and Ayinder kind of smiled and he didn't deny it, so maybe that's true. Um, so so I so Ayinder said there's like a scene for Maha Mantra tunes, and and they get passed around. And the cool thing is to make it your own. There was one time we uh, we went on the the Bandihar Parikram in the springtime. There's like a few ashrams they decorate the deity, and and so we went. We took darshan at a bunch of places, and then on the way back. Just some sadhus in one of the ashrams, they kind of like, they saw Indra and they invited him in and they asked him to do kirtan. And, um, and, at, anyway, one of their Bengali devotees picked up the murdanga. And so I was like, really like, oh, this should be interesting. Like, Indra's going to play with this guy because we were used to him playing in a certain style with a certain murdanga player. And, and I remember that devotee was like super blissful, his murdanga playing was like super fired up, and there was, a, there was a bunch of things that he was playing in a very different way than the murdanga player that was used to playing with Ayindra. And I was really like thinking like, what's Ayindra gonna think? Like is he, you know, because Ayindra was like not so easy. Um, and Ayindra was fully loving it. He fully loved the Murdanga player. Like one difference I remember was, you know, he would kind of build, like he would have like a slow tutal, and he would build up the tutal, and then you know at the end of the tutal, 
like at the in the second half of the mantra they'll do like some rolls or something to kind of build up the energy and and that devotee didn't do it that way he would go into like a six speed and uh, and I was like hmm like I wonder what Andrew's gonna think of that he was fully loving it Andrew just like fully loved it and the whole way back he was like did you see that Murdunga player like that was good Murdunga playing that was such good Murdunga playing like I wish you know I wish we had guys that played like that he said um, he said he said uh, he said, just knowing mantras, that's comparable to, like, technology. But playing with feeling, that's when it becomes art. He said, like, that, that Murdunga player was an artist. And, uh, and he was just, like, he was so enthused by the, you know, we did Kirtan maybe, like, 40 minutes, an hour, or something like that. And, and then, and he was, like, just going on how he loved that Murdunga player. And, and then we kind of, we walked, we walked by the temple room and it was, uh, <laughs> you know, some of our, some of our ashram guys and, you know, it's not as sweet. <laughs> and they were, and, you know, oh, no, 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 and, and, <laughs> and Andrew was just kind of like, he's like, hmm, like, listen to our kirtan, <laughs> you know, as if to say he was kind of disappointed. <laughs> um. There was one time, the Murdunga player that Andrew Prabhu had at one period, um, he struggled with in certain ways. And so then I remember that, that Murdunga player, he kind of did something independent, and, and Andrew just got so upset in the middle of the kirtan, like, what is going on? And he, 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 he made one or two of the like much junior devotees play Murdunga with him so then he had like a few more Murdunga players but these guys were like really not very qualified and it was a kind of a big humiliation for this you know for the more senior person and then afterwards Ayindra kind of took us up into his room and he, and he was like you know I just can't deal with like you know these puffed up Murdunga players he's like my whole life I've just had to deal with puffed up drummers. You know, before I was a devotee, I was in my rock band and we had a puffed up drummer. And then and then I you know, I was doing kirtan with this Murdunga player and he was a puffed up drummer. And then I was doing with this Murdunga player and he was a puffed up drummer. And then this guy, he was just using my kirtan as an excuse to show off. And now I got this guy and he's another puffed up drummer. And he was like it's so much better to be a humble Kartal player than a puffed up Murdanga player. <laughs> and he said, it's so much better just to clap your hands and chant Hare Krishna than be a puffed up Murdanga player. Ayinder <laughs> um, once asked me, um, he said, do you know what it means? when someone plays a murdunga that's out of tune? I said, no, Prabhu. He said, it means they have no bhav. I thought it's just some pitch, you know, like, the low. Yeah, so, not, so, so someone's playing a murdunga, yeah. and it's not in tune. And he was really strong on this point many times. I remember many times, or enough times, it happened, um, 
you know, Andrew Prabhu would come down for his kirtan, maybe 6.15, 6.30, something like that, before Gorarti. You know, depending on the time of the year. And, um, and, you know, everyone's kind of like doing their thing, and we're just, you know, we got some kind of kirtan going. And then when Ayindra kind of comes, you know, everyone's kind of like more sitting up straight, looking like, you know, the boss is here, and we should look a little bit alive. And, and so I was playing the Murdanga. And so I was, you know, I was kind of like trying to look like, you know, I'm doing something. And, and, uh, and also, you know, I want Ayindra to see, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good Murdanga player. I can kind of do it. And, uh, and Ayindra was just like looking at me. And he just came up to me. He's like, what's the matter with you? Can't you hear that? Can't you hear how that drum is out of tune? Can't you hear that? You know, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you playing a murdanga that's out of tune? And I didn't think it was that bad. But Ayindra was just, he was just very, very, very particular about that. And it just, it, it didn't matter. There's only three or four people there. He just didn't tolerate it at all. Even there was one time I was in the ashram just practicing murdanga. And just in one of the ashram rooms. And Ayindra came in yelling like, why are you playing a murdanga that sounds like that? Oh, I was just practicing. I didn't think it mattered. You know, if, you, if it's not in tune, the first thing is to tune the instrument. So he was like that. Um, there was, Ayindra hated chords on the harmonium. And one time I was just joking around. Just joking around in the ashram, you know, with like one or two other guys. You know, it's like a long day. Just, just having fun, being stupid, making a joke. We were like joking with some, um, you know, playing some chords on the harmonium. And Ayindra just, out of nowhere, Ayindra came into the room and he started yelling at me. And he said, don't ever let me play, don't ever let me hear you play the harmonium that way. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to hear you playing the harmonium like that. I was just joking around, Ayindra Prabhu. I don't care. I don't ever want to hear you play like that. He said, it's, it's so, like, horrible to me. I, it just reminds me of some, like, churchianity or, like, some Christians coming, you know, to convert the Hindus with their, like, with their harmoniums. So he said like that. There was one time in Mayapur, uh, you know, Andrew would come to Mayapur for, for, like, a week every year for a few years, six, seven years. And um, and one year Madhava was doing his kirtan, and Madhava Madhava Prabhu he wanted he asked me during his kirtan to sing some vocal harmonies. You know he likes that. So it's like uh, you know a Western style where someone sings one tune and then another singer sings like a harmonic you know, a raised third or a raised fifth or something above the singer. And Ayindra immediately shut it down. He was just like, he's like, no, this is not permitted. We don't do this. Ayindra was very humble. Like, he just, you know, he sat very nicely in, in Madhava's kirtan for several hours. I remember that. But on that point, he didn't let it go. He just, like, shut it down. There was one incident I remember... Oh, I should have said this kind of earlier, but one thing is, he was always like, 
Oh, Andrew was very serious. You know, like I said, kind of, the kirtan is going on, but there wasn't so much unity, you know, often. And we experience this now, too. Like, you know, some guys, he's kind of like, people are kind of bored, they're just trying to get through the shift. Or, you know, or people have a little bit of an attitude like, you know, oh, this guy's singing, you know, it's so boring and, um, you know, he's not that good, why is, you know, whatever, when's it going to be my turn? Or whatever people are thinking, I don't know. Um, but there there wasn't so much unity. But then when Iandra would come, it was like, oh, okay, it was like the whole, like, crew got in gear. And, you know, he had his Murdunga players and, like, this guy needs to, you know, this Murdunga player is sitting over here, and this guy is sitting over here, and I need this cartel guy over here, and the guy that's going to, you know, sing with me is going to sit over here, and I need, you know, Ram Roy over here, or, or whatever, like, this guy's got to be over here, and he had, there was like the whole arrangement, and, you know, hey, sorry Prabhu, you know, can you please move, because, you know, you're in the wrong spot, because I need this guy over here. And, and, you know, and if you're not in your place, I remember, you know, I was kind of out of my place one time and Andrew just looked at me from across the temple and he's like, where are you? You know, like, so, so he had like the whole arrangement because it was like, and then it was like a unified group. And, um, and he needed from his group, like, full energy. Like, he demanded it. That's why you hear so many times on the recordings, he's yelling at people. It's like he just wants every, everybody's full attention, full engagement. I remember several times, um, I, uh, you know, maybe I was just singing, and he was just like, you know, play something! And, you know, uh, there, there's no gong, there's no cartel, there's no whomper. Everything is, like, being used. I couldn't find anything, you know. Uh, what, what can I... And you, all right, clap your hands, you know. <laughs> and so it was like, you shouldn't just sit there as, like, a lazy guy. You should, like, you know, you have to be active and I'm engaged and I'm, I'm banging and clanging and making noise or beating something and I should be singing with my, you know, like, fully there. He wanted, like... He wanted everybody to be fully present. There was there was even one um, one Gurukuli who uh, who you know Andrew was kind of yelling at him to be more attentive and more engaged, and and then that devotee said, "I'm sorry, Prabhu. You know, I'm just more used to like casual kirtan." And Andrew was like so upset after that. He was always saying like, "We don't do casual kirtan here. You know, <laughs> that's not what we do. We don't do casual kirtan." Um, one thing I felt, um, Andrew was very, he was very attentive about who was on public shifts, like especially seven, to t like the the, the pre-Mongolarti kirtan. That was a very important kirtan to Ayanda Prabhu, especially festival time. You know, he he um, you know it would the tendency would be that that like he there's even a notice you know he made that note and it says everybody should be doing kirtan in the temple room for Srila Prabhupada at 4:10 a.m. That's supposed to be the standard, and um, and so generally. Uh, 
you know, it would kind of like dwindle down to just a few of the guys that had to be there. Uh, and then Andrew would kind of have to like fire everybody up. I remember times when he was, you know, personally waking everybody up. Um, and he considered that like a very important time to, um, you know, especially during the festival time. There's so many guests, so many visiting devotees, you know, so many so many senior Srila Prabhupada disciples. And so Ayindra saw that as really a time where, you know, we're showing all the visitors, all the guests, the whole, you know, community, this is our time when the, when the um, you know, the 24-hour the kirtan needs to put its best foot forward. You know, it has to look good and sound good and be presentable and respectable, and, uh, and we need all of our men there to do like that. Uh, so that time was very important. Um, you know, 7 to 10 morning, there's very important times, like before the Bhagavatam class, and then, you know, at 9 o'clock, so many devotees are there after the Bhagavatam class, 10 to 1 is important, 4 to 7 in the evening is so important, uh, 7 to 10 at night, those, those are all like public shifts. And Ayendra was definitely very conscious about who was on those shifts. And he generally wanted like his best people on those shifts. It wasn't just like, you know, Hari Bol, anything goes. Um, and I saw several times, like, if people complained about, about things, he would listen to that and he would, he would like take that, he would take that seriously and he would like switch people around. I, I remember I watched, you know, one of his good kirtan leaders had gone back to their country and, and then, you know, the people that were still there singing, they were, they were complaining to Ayindra, like, you know, the kirtan is so bad now, like, uh, you know, before the Bhagavatam class or something like that, I remember that. And so I remember Ayindra, like, you know, he consciously switched it around so that, you know, okay, now this guy is there, he needs to lead the kirtan. So there was one devotee who, um, Ayindra tended, he was, Ayindra could be like really harsh with him. Um, and he's just like a really simple guy. And uh, Ayindra chastised him a lot. And I remember, you know, there was, there was one time that I was present for where he was doing seven to 10 in the morning and uh, the Bhagavatam class had ended and the devotees were kind of slow to like set up the microphone and start the kirtan and Ayindra just became furious and he was just yelling you know that everyone could hear him in the temple room he wasn't using a microphone but every it was just like he made a scene basically and he started yelling and, and you know the guy was like fixing the microphone kind of getting it ready and it was kind of slow. He, he, he should have been ready by the time the Bhagavatam class ended to just pick up right away, but he wasn't. And it was like, it was just taking time and there was silence in the temple room. And Andrew's like, what is this nonsense? Minutes are going by after Bhagavatam class and there's still no kirtan? This is an embarrassment. You're embarrassing me in front of my god brothers very heavy. <laughs> Andrew was telling me one time, he said, um, 
he would he would say there's two different types of kirtan. One is like the Maharas. One type of kirtan is like the Maharas Lila. The Maharas Lila, there was many, many, many categories of gopis, many different types of gopis, and some of them are new, and um, it's kind of it's a, it's it's somewhat less intimate because there's so many different types of devotees. And then there's like the Shard Pranim Ras Lila, where it's just Radharani and her girlfriends, and it's a much more intimate setting because it's just like you know, a very intimate, like-minded group of devotees with Radha and Krishna. And so, so Andrew was saying there's two different types of kirtan. There's the type of kirtan, like if you're doing mass sankirtan, you know, like in the temple room, sometimes, you know, it's like there's so many guests, there's so many pilgrims, visitors, you know, so you, have, you have everything. You have you know, very mature senior devotees that have been practicing Krishna consciousness and you just have some like, you know, new guy from Delhi who's just kind of passing through and, and all kinds of people in between. So, um, so he said, yeah, so you have like the Maharas kind of Leela Kirtan um, where, you know, as a Kirtan leader you're trying to engage all kinds of varieties of different people and then, and then you have like the more intimate Ras Lila, where it's you know, like if um, you know, I guess if you got Ayindra Prabhu like with his, you know, his dedicated team like in a night kirtan or something like that, then it's like it's a more intimate kind of thing. Everybody's kind of more on the same page. Um, and so, so Ayindra was sorry, Ayindra was describing like that, and and I said to him. I said, you're very lucky because, because you have this group of, of, uh, of people around you so that you're able to do even intimate styles of kirtan in like a mass public setting. Because, you know, if you've got the support, if you've got like a core support group, let's say of like 20, 30 people that are like fully with you, ready to chant, and even if there's hundreds of others of people, you know, by that core energy of all that support, it's gonna, you know, it's still gonna happen. And so I said, you're very lucky that you have that. And, um, and he said something, let me just think what he said. Because it's very powerful how he responded to that. He's like, he's like, you know, yeah, you know, like, um, you know, we're lucky that we have like a group of people here. And then he said, but actually, it's because of the determination of one man that we're able to do what we do here. So, so in other words, what Ayindra would preach to you, if, you're, if you have any doubt, you know, you feel that, you know, if there's some lack of unity or something, Ayindra would preach to you, you know, you should become like, you should become a powerful sadhu, you should become a moon, you should become like a, you know, a guiding light that people are ready to like, um, people are ready to support you.
I remember at the end, you know, this was in 2010, probably not that long before Andrew Prabhu left. Um, uh, you know, I remember right be Andrew was just, he was just going to sit down for his kirtan, and just as he kind of was come, he was listening to the kirtan leader before him, I think, and he just kind of came up to me and he said, I need a new tune! So I've, I felt also, what I felt for my Indraprabhu was, you know, uh, you know, if you want to try to follow my Indraprabhu, it's not so much following my Indraprabhu just to like, you know, I just sing my Indraprabhu's tunes. It's nice if, you know, if you can be like, dynamic, because my Indra was very dynamic. Ayendra wasn't just copying some other good kirtan leader and trying to learn every, you know, someone else's all their good tunes or something. He was like, he was composing tunes and somehow he was catching tunes here and there. You know, whatever, in the market or, you know, where did he come up with some of them? I don't know. Um, but, uh, but he was very dynamic, you know, always catching new tunes, introducing new tunes. So I think there's some scope for that. You know, if you're following Ayanda Prabhu, just to, you know, only you just sing all his tunes. I don't know, is that really following him? You know, Ayanda was like very individualistic. He wasn't just copying somebody else. So, you know, my, my humble opinion is, um, you know, if you really want to follow Ayanda Prabhu, you know, you should also make something beautiful that you made. You know, he was, always he was preaching purity is the force. That was one of the main things. I remember one of my friends, um, he asked my friend, how is your japa? And my friend is like, oh, it's, it's not very good. And this, this friend is a very nice singer, very good kirtan leader. And Andrew was like, how do you expect your kirtan to ever have any shakti if you're not chanting good japa? That's where it comes from. So that was important. Our last istagosti, um, there was some issue. One of the men was a little bit, he was too casual talking to, to a woman or something like that. You know, like in the alleyway between the temple and the Guruku building, like in the, you know, whatever. He was kind of like chatting on and on with some girls or something. And it looks really bad, you understand. It's like, it reflects really bad on the ashram. People complain. You know, people, everybody gets upset about stuff like that. So Andrew was like preaching, and uh, he gave a super hardcore class about renunciation, being detached. Um, and he said, uh, oh, he said, I just want men that are ready to live here with me like Goswamis. That was one of the last, that was the, the very last Istagosti we had with Ayendra. He was like almost crying and, and saying, I just want men that are ready to live with me like Goswamis. That's what he wanted. Um, um, well, just more on the point of purity is the force. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear on some recordings he says like this, he said, he said, um, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be in vulture consciousness. He says some people, 
we're on the Kirtan party, but we're in vulture consciousness. And the vulture flies very high in the sky. But where is the consciousness of the vulture? It's just looking on the ground, looking for dead bodies to feast on. So there's devotees on the Kirtan party. They're, they're flying very high. They're in Sri Vrindavan Dham in front of, you know, Krishna Balaram, Radha Shama Sundar, doing Nam Sankirtan. So how much higher can you get? But what are they looking at? They're looking, they're looking at, um, basically looking at the opposite sex. I'm looking at the women. And I'm, you know, how can I impress the women? Um, it's, it's actually very difficult and it's a problem in our temple here in Vrindavan. So many young kind of single ladies, they come here and they want to be part of the kirtan and uh, it can be very difficult to avoid that kind of subtle, you know, subtle sex life or whatever. Um, so Andrew was all, I mean, he was always super heavy preaching about brahmacharya. I don't want to talk too much about that because it's probably said in other places and there's so many things that you could say but you know Andrew was a very spotless very pure brahmachari and he preached super heavy about this and um, you know I feel he preached that as like a qualification for being kirtan leader also um, you know I remember he suggested you know, like the ladies are on this side, and then, you know, you can, if you want to avoid that energy a little bit, you can sit on the side with the men, where like your backs are to the ladies. That was one suggestion for Mahindra. Then you're not like, you're not like taking in that energy too much. Uh, oh, one important thing Mahindra mentioned is there's the rule in our, the standard in our temple is that women are not meant to play any instruments with our kirtan party. Sometimes I've seen even recently, you know, one of these young girls, she'll bring her own kartals. And my understanding is it's not perfectly correct. I mean, you know, I don't know. If some, if some girl, if she's kind of in the back playing her own kartals, I don't know if that's so, you know, yeah, you can use a little bit of intelligence to judge. But basically, Ayindra told me that, um, he said, you know, when you have like a group of kirtaniyas, everybody's interacting with each other, yeah. right? There's all like the subtle communication, like, mm -hmm. okay, now we're going to go to this beat, we're going to, you know, move it up a step, get faster, change, go here, break it down, whatever we're going to do, you kind of, you have like the team all together. And if there's like... You know, if there's a woman also, you know, she's she's kind of like in that energy, then it's it's it kind of it's like a contamination. I I remember I was um, he said one time, Govinda Prabhu was making one of his CDs, and I came into the ashram into Govinda's room, and he was like, Govinda. I heard that you know that you have women singing on your CD. Is that true? Someone told me that women are singing on your CD. And Govinda said, "No, that's not true." And I said, "Okay, good." He said, I'm, "I'm I'm glad to hear that because I would be very disappointed 
if you know someone representing our kirtan department making CDs was mixing men and women on CDs. He said he said in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time, um, he said there's no problem. Women can have a sankirtan party, no problem. He said, but like in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's time, the women, they would have their kirtan party. And the men, they would have their kirtan party. And the two, and the two wouldn't mix. You don't mix a kirtan party where it's men and women together. You keep it, you keep it separate. Sound like that. But what, what about Grihasas? Is the leading kirtan? What about Grihastas? Yeah. I mean, you know, at so many of our festivals now, it becomes a little bit more like a kitchery, and you know, you got like the, the pretty young Gurukuli girl, and then like the nice young guy, single guy, playing the Murdunga. You know, I don't know. I, I, it's not really my place to judge. I'm just repeating that, what I heard from, from my Indra Prabhu, and I can say very senior devotees, very senior Prabhupada disciples, sannyasis, um, you know, I can just, Jayadwaita Maharaj, I repeated this to Jayadwaita Maharaj, you know, Ayendra told me that, that, you know, you, the women, the women, very good, let them have their kirtan party, ecstatic, wonderful, we support it, let them, you know, no bar, it's not that they don't have a kirtan party, let them do kirtan, on and on, but, you know, the women have their kirtan party, the men have their kirtan party, but they, they shouldn't be together, and Jayadwaita Maharaj completely agreed. He's like, yes, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. That's the real standard. I agree with that. So, you know, I don't, he, Einder isn't just speaking like a fool. So, you know, how to apply it practically in all times and circumstance, you can decide. I'm just telling, you know, what I heard. You just people can be aware of that. I've told some of our devotees, you know, I've seen, I've just seen different videos of different festivals where I personally have a doubt whether, you know, the standard isn't becoming too loose. And just, you know, the devotees that are connected to Ayanda Prabhu, I've told some of them, you know, Prabhu, maybe be a little bit more sensitive, like be a little careful, is, um, because I don't, I don't feel that Ayanda Prabhu would approve of, um, there was there was one there was one time I was invited to um, I was invited to do kirtan with a group of gurukulis, and Ayendra wasn't there. I don't know how he knew what was happening, but then later that evening I went up to his room, and he didn't yell at me, but it was just very like stern, and he just said to me, um, he said. I guess it's hard to avoid the association of beautiful young women when you're doing kirtan with the gurukulis. So I took that as like a real, um, you know, he criticized. He really didn't appreciate that. And it was true. It was really true. I was in, I was in a program um, and just simple fact is that there was a bunch of pretty young unmarried girls there and you know the, the Prabhus and ladies and it's like a little bit more of like a mixed up scene and Ayanda didn't like it and he criticized me for it. So um, maybe one one important just Ayanda was Ayanda was preaching very heavy 
um, about mixing money with kirtan. Because there's, there's so many recordings about this, you can hear him preach about. So, yeah, basically, you know, a preacher should be a Brahmin. And the way a, Bra a Brahmin deals with money in a very, you know, it's very important how a Brahmin deals with money. A Brahmin is a beggar, and, um, and a Brahmin doesn't do jagya for the purpose of getting a salary. A Brahmin does jagya for the sake of getting Krishna Prema. You know, I should I should do the kirtan. I'm trying to I'm trying to please Krishna with kirtan. It's not that I'm trying to get money with kirtan. Especially if there's like, you know, some of our devotees become expert in kirtan, they get invited here and there to do programs. You should be very careful not to get contaminated by this kind of mentality. Um, and the the most gross, the worst thing is when people demand you know, they call you, hey Prabhu, can you come do kirtan at our program? And, you know, and it's, we've, it, it actually exists. But people can say, yeah, okay, I can come to the program, but I'll need a donation of XYZ amount of money. You know, I need $500 or something like that. Or I need $5,000 or whatever it is. Um, there's actually examples of people doing like that. And I Andrew fully, fully disapproved of that. He preached against it like really harshly. Um, like that. Um, oh, and there was there was one one super heavy comment Andrew made to me. Uh, you know, one time I was asked to do some program in Europe somewhere, and um, actually the person that asked me, I thought that they were not being very forthcoming on the one hand it was a senior devotee asking me to come but they weren't being very forthcoming about you know the travel expense and so I asked Iindra you know um, you know what should I do I don't really have the money to go travel there you know but should I just depend on Krishna for that um, you know how what should I do? I don't want to demand money from them, but how will I travel there if there's no, you know, money for the travel? I didn't, I didn't want to be bogus. I really wanted to surrender, you know, follow Andrew Prabhu's standard. So I had a doubt. Um, I had a doubt about that, and I Andrew said he's, he was like, he's like, well, if they don't give you your travel expense, then you just can't go. I mean, they have to give you that. If they don't give you that, then you know, you should just do your sankirtan here. You don't have to go there. You know, you just can't go if they don't give the travel expense. So that was like really easy. He, he, that was not considered bogus. Like, you know, someone invites you, you have to say, especially so to go so far away, it was like going to some remote place in Europe. It would cost, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go there. Um, so he was very clear, yeah, you know, you should ask, you have to say up front, I need the travel expenses covered and if they don't pay it, you can't go. Um, and then, but we were discussing at that time, and he just revealed his own mind, I thought, in a very powerful way. Um, he said, he said, honestly, I'm not so inclined to travel here and there. Um, and imagine, you know, how, how much demand there would be for Iindra to go to your program. You know, he was like such a such a huge kirtan leader, 
um, and you know, so famous, loved all over the movement. I mean, he's someone. If he was like opened himself up, he would get all kinds of invitations to go all kinds of places. There's no, there would be no shortage of invitations for Andrew, isn't it? So, um, so he's. But notice how he didn't do that. Just like take note of that. He didn't do that. He he stuck. He stuck here. He you know he could do some house program, maybe something in Delhi very occasionally. You know, just something in driving distance, and then he's back by the night time to you know take rest in Vrindavan Dam. He would do stuff like that. But you know, going here and there, he could have gone all over the world easily. They could have made tours all over the place for him. Um, but he chose not to do that. And he told me he said. Um, he said, personally, I'm not so inclined to, uh, you know, to travel, to travel, you know, just to do sankirtan, sankirtan jagya somewhere, because I just think, what do I really bring to the table that they can't just do themselves? He said, um, he said, you know, they should be doing sankirtan jagya. Why aren't they doing Sankirtan Jagya? Why do they need to bring me to do Sankirtan Jagya for them? And then, what are they going to do after I leave? They're still not going to do Sankirtan? To round up this episode, you're now going to hear part 3 of Vahindra's Kirtan Standards interview from 2010, where he explains that Kirtan means performing selfless sacrifice for the satisfaction of Krishna exclusively. Kevala Bhakti
Jagya, and because Krishna, you know, the point is this, this very simple point, Prabhupada, how many times we've heard this, even Jesus Christ himself says something like this, you know, that God is providing for the elephants, God is providing for the ants, you know, so God won't provide for someone who's performing Jagya of his, of his holy names, he's not going to provide, you have to squeeze the kirtan to get some, you know, a few bucks out of the thing. Nonsense. Krishna's providing for everyone. 
Why wouldn't he provide for someone who's sacrificing, you know, purely sacrificing, without without any strings attached? No demands. Only a prayer, you know, to please accept me. Please, you know, engage me in your loving service. With tears in my eyes. And not, you know, tears crying all the way to the bank, please. <laughs> if Krishna, you know, provides, then Hari Hari Bol. If Krishna doesn't provide, then Hari Hari Bol. That's the way we were trained by Srila Prabhupada. I don't know where these other ideas are coming in from. You know, where are they getting the idea from? It's not coming from the pure devotional platform. So the question is, do we want to become pure devotees or what? You know, you don't get pure devotion without practicing pure devotional principles. From the very beginning of our training in devotional life, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to learn what are the pure devotional principles. That is what is called Shraddha. What is Shraddha? Shraddha, Shabde, Vishvas, Sudrida, Nischaya. Krishna Bhakti Koyle Sarva Karma Kritahoya. That I exclusively devotion, Krishna Bhakti Koyle, no other thing. Sarva Dharma Pritija. Mam ekam, nam ekam, sharanam brucha. Kali Kali nama rupe Krishna avatar. Therefore, mam ekam means in Kali Yuga, practical, nam ekam, sharanam brucha. And Krishna's, Krishna says, you know, daivi hesha gunamai, mamamaya duratiya, nam evaye prapanyante. Mayam etam taranti. What does Mayam etam taranti take mean? It means Mam chayo vyavacharina, bhakti yogena. What kind of bhakti yogena? Harir nama, harir nama, harir nama eva kevalam. There's only one thing, eva certainly, kevalam, exclusively, only one thing. Kalo nastyeva, 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 there's no other way, there's no other way, there's no other way. The prime process in Kali Yuga of devotional service which includes all of the other processes of devotional service, <coughs> without doing which no other processes of devotional service can be complete. And if only doing that process exclusively, Nam Sankirtan Jagya, one gets the fruit of all other devotional processes. Therefore, Mam Chayogyavicharyana, Bhakti Yogena Sevate, Bhakti Yogena Sevate means service to the Holy Name. And service to the Holy Name, the highest service to the Holy Name, one who loudly chants the Holy Name for the benefit of others, according to Haridas Thakur and, and Chaitanya Bhagwat, quoting from the Skanda Purana, if I'm remembering correctly. Perhaps that's not correct, but I can't remember where he's quoting from. But he's quoting from Shastra. He says that one who chants loudly the Holy Name of the Lord, you know, is a hundred times more pious than one who chants softly only to benefit himself or chants within the mind. So one who performs Sankirtan, then what is the result of performing Sankirtan? 
Sagunam Samati Titan, Ramabuyaya Kalpati. You easily, Mayam Etam Tarantite means Sagunam Samati Titan, Ramabuyaya Kalpati. You come to the spiritual platform, and spiritual platform means Bhava Bhakti. Above the influences of the three modes of material nature, above the conditional platform, above the state of bondage. You don't get Baba Bhakti without chanting Shudanam. It is Shudanam which is Nija Sarva Shakti. Sarva Shakti meaning all Shaktis. If it's only partial, not all, then, then it means that, yes, the material Shaktis are there. So by Aparanam, you, you can get, you can associate with Krishna's material Shaktis. But Sarva Shakti means his Antaranga Shaktis, his spiritual Shaktis. Sarup Shakti. It's by the grace of Sarup Shakti that one is elevated to the, pl to the platform of Baba. As far as possible, the chanting should be heard from the lips of a pure devotee, not from the lips of a non-devotee. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says clearly that, that those who are chanting Shudanam, they are actually pure devotees. And those who are chanting Namabhas, they are Vaishnavabhas. It means that they're still more or less in the category of non-devotees. So Nam should be received from a pure devotee. So someone can argue that well, you know, we're not pure devotees because we're not chanting pure. Well, why aren't you chanting pure name nonsense? Who's stopping you? You know, no one's stopping you from satisfying Krishna to the point of him agreeing to appear and dance on your tongue. You know, stop making excuses. There's no excuse that, okay, we're on the clearing stage, but you're not supposed to remain on the clearing stage for the rest of eternity. Bahujan Makariyari Shravanakirtana, supposedly. You're supposed to come. Bhaktivinotakura says generally it takes three, three years to come to the Shudanam platform. And how many millions of three years are we going to take before we come to the Shudanam platform? You mean three life? No, three years. Three years? I you had said That's another thing. It's another point. You know, it may take three lifetimes, but it doesn't have to take three lifetimes. That depends on you. You can surrender at any moment. You can use your free will at any time. It's not that, well, you start out on the operat platform and you have to go for one, there's a rule, you must continue for one lifetime, you know, and then in your next lifetime, you, you, you come to the, you know, Namabas platform, you know, and you must go for that whole lifetime before you come to the next lifetime when you can do shoot a non-platform. Generally, he says generally it works like that because people are s slow witted. Manda sumanda mate mandayo bhagyo padrita. No brains. 
for the slow brain. Uh, but it, like but, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have doesn't mean that you have to take three lifetimes to come to the Shunanam platform. Krishna, you know, by his own sweet will, can grace anyone. It's a question of your desperation. It's a question of your realizing that you're you're fallen and you need mercy and actually crying for the mercy of Nam. Mercy of Lord Chaitanya. Lord Nityananda. No one's stopping anyone from crying for crying for mercy, realizing your fallen condition. You know, and Krishna can appear at any time. According to his own sweet will. And he can also disappear. You know, to put you in your place. And you start becoming a little proud of, of you know, oh, now I have Krishna in my grubby little mitts. And suddenly you realize that he's on the other side of your grubby little fist. He doesn't have to be bound by anyone. You know, but the point is, is that, you know, Krishna Bhakti Koili Sarva Karma Kritahoy. And what does Krishna Bhakti mean? Same thing. Mamcha Bhakti Yoga in a Seva thing. What does that mean? In Kali Yuga, the main thing that it means, there may be other aspects because there's Navada Bhakti, you know, there's Panchanga Bhakti. But the point is, is that the main ingredient, which has to be there for any other ingredient to be viable, the main ingredient is Nam Sankirtan. It is the supreme Anga of devotional service, not only because of its accessibility to everyone, but because of its own intrinsic potency, invested by the grace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nam Sankirtan. Nam Sankirtan is the supreme Anga of devotional service. So when it says, you know, Krishna Bhakti Koile Sarva Karma Krita Hoy, it means Nam Sankirtan. You perform Nam Sankirtan and you'll get, you'll surpass without any difficulty, you'll surpass whatever you could expect to get in other ages and by other processes. Whether it be karma, jnana, yoga, or whatever it may be. or, you know, dhyan or any other things. By, you know, sacrifices, by dhyan, by deity worship, or whatever was previously, you know, done in, in other yugas. Make a firm decision. Sudridha nischoya. By, you know, by having faith and Shabda. Shabda means Shabda Brahman. Shabda Vishvas. Having, you know, high regard for Shabda Brahman coming through disciplic succession. The conclusions of the predecessor Acharyas. Regarding the importance of performing the Yuga Dharma, Nam Sankirtan. There's no other Yuga Dharma. That is the supreme Anga of Bhakti happens to be the Yuga Dharma in this age of Kali because no other Anga of Bhakti will do. Only the supreme Anga of Bhakti and all other Angas of Bhakti <coughs> have to be supportive of that supreme Anga of Bhakti for those 
other angas of bhakti to be of any relevance. Because only the supreme anga of bhakti will, you know, do the needful in the matter of delivering such fallen Kali Yuga rejects as ourselves. Therefore, Sumedasaha means that you have to have enough brain substance to understand that you're fallen and that you need to take shelter of the process, the only viable process, which will, you know, do for such fallen conditioned souls as our Kali Yuga reject selves. For another episode of the 24 Hour Kirtan podcast. 24 Hour Kirtan Radio is an internet radio station dedicated to playing live recordings of Gaudiya style Kirtan music from temples and Kirtan events worldwide. We are a non profit organization registered in Zurich, Switzerland. If you would like to contribute in any form, please go to 24hourkirtan.fm/slash contribute. You can also support us by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a review so that it will be easier for others to find this podcast and the Kirtan Radio. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hurry Bo, and stay tuned on 24hourkirtan.fm.
Ah uh-huh. 
Hare Rama, 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 Rama,
Krishna Hare 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 Namo Hare Namo 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 Hare
जय जय श्री राधे जय जय श्री राधे जय जय श्री राधे जानता गोभ्रमनंदी हरि हरि बोल